0: Welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know. So you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts, and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read the shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss, at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the Immortals' plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation? Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner fight for the world's survival rest with just one? Is it friend or fool who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken. sorry, Rosemary Rowan um, is being donated to the Ukraine cri- refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her roman british crime series which was written under her maiden name all editions can be found online where all books are sold even her agents donating her commission sorry i don't have the blurb for that but uh, that's that's what she's doing and now without further ado let's get you to the guests
1: and hey, welcome back to live life podcast guys we are extremely lucky because today we are going to be hosting an incredible author from the ecw press i am delighted that claire was able to get her on and i'm delighted that we overcame all these technical issues to be able to bring her to you today so without further ado everyone please welcome leslie hi there so leslie tell us about your book and, and what it means to you <laughs>
2: Um, Well, it means a lot. It's uh, a novel called Far Creek Road. It's actually set in a suburb of Vancouver on the west coast of Canada, where I grew up with, by the way, on my mother's side, uh, they're Scottish. So there were a lot of Scottish (laughs) accents that didn't make it into the book. Um, And uh, it, when I write a book, place is very important to me. So my home place is very important. And that's what first brought the book to me, writing about this suburb at the time of the Cold War, of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, it's something I don't really remember. Um, I was alive, but I was a bit young. Um, But it's the story of a little girl in the suburb named Mary Alice, although she's called Tink because she's tiny, and her very much older sister has called her after Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. She makes a friend who moves into the suburb, a little boy named Norman, and it turns out, it's widely rumored at first, but it seems true that his parents are are left wing. Um, Nobody knows quite how much, but as the... Cuban Missile Crisis starts looming in 1962, there are rumors that they're communists. And this overturns everything. Um, Little Tink is very nosy. (laughs) So she follows people around. She listens. She often doesn't know what she hears. She doesn't realize that when two parents are sitting together in a car with their arms around each other, they aren't just making each other feel better about things that are going on. But obviously, um, as adults, we kind of get what's going on. She's writing it as an adult. So it's the story of a little girl in a traumatic time, who learns that the world is a lot more complicated than she first thought. Yeah, it's
1: an amazing story. And and it's story that affected so many people especially in that time period as well and i suppose there'd almost be kind of like a question of them being you know because they come from scotland or they came from somewhere else there might have been that question as well of well they're not native to here so maybe they were curious about that too
2: um in in this book you know everybody comes from somewhere else in the suburb they're all they're all from some sort of European background, by and large, except that it's right on the edge of an indigenous reservation, the native Capilano people from the Musqueam Nation. Um, they're all Scottish or Irish or a few outliers or Polish whose families first moved to the prairies and were farmers there. But it was um, originally a, a very... Um, white middle-class place of people who were second and third generation immigrants maybe to Canada. Uh, that's changed, actually. The suburb that it's based on is heavily Iranian right now. Um, oh, wow. Just so because, Canada. well, this is Canada and people move in and they move with their friends, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, and it's good that it's sort of staying that kind of, you know, the change of culture is still sort of there all the time as well. It right. kind of almost adds to the
2: suburbs history it's it's a very it's vibrant at the, at the time the book is said it was pretty white bread aside from um the indigenous that people in europe tend to say indian reservation but people don't like that anymore they prefer indigenous um yeah. so um it it was, when I was, when I myself was growing up a few years after this, I actually remember when the first Chinese-Canadian girl came into my class when I was already about 12 or 13, and then things changed, you know. Um, and so now it's it's very multicultural and vibrant, but at the time it was a very conformist place and very white-breddish and old-fashioned, but also uh, the father's had fought in the Second World War for Canada. And so there was an underlying trauma going on there.
1: Yeah, that I was going to say is that sometimes there is that kind of underlying trauma of previous wars or, or past sort of historical events that kind of make people more agitated when things like these kind of topics come up or at least suspected, you know. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the fear comes from, especially nowadays, you, you can get that sense of fear still existing even today well I think
2: sorry I was going to say at the time at the time um what a lot of these people the the men who had fought in the Canadian army and the women whose brothers fathers boyfriends had been overseas at risk of death every single day uh they figured they had earned their security um they wanted to come home They wanted to have a house, have a family, and have no problems whatsoever, you know? Um, But, of course, where is there a life where you don't have any problems whatsoever?
1: There is no such thing.
2: (laughs) No such thing. So
1: what was your your moment that you kind of claimed that this was a story that you had to write?
2: Um, You know, I... I write somewhat differently from a lot of people a lot of my friends I mean we, it's all fun to talk about for me when I start to have a glimmer of an idea it can be years before I actually write the book I I can just write it down you know like many writers I I have a journal I write in constantly I can say oh I have this idea of of this thing and maybe I'll look at it a year later and think well that was awful <laughs> you know and and that yeah, yeah. And so I never do anything with it. But at a certain point, an idea starts to feel as if it may turn into something. And I tend to open a notebook and start scrawling in it. Um, And one of the things that helps me, two of the things that helps me, one is when a a title pops into my head. Um, And when the title Far Creek Road popped into my head, I knew I had the book and what often happens in those notebooks is once I get the opening line which in this case was is I wish I had some of that furniture my father made for our house on Far Creek Road Um, somehow that's a voice isn't it Um, so when I have a title and a voice I can get going and (laughs) It's extremely peeving to me in the years that I keep these notebooks. If somebody else publishes a book with the same title. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've been there. And you've got to think of a new one or you gotta change it up and yeah, yeah. Because there's always this the original title
2: to you as well. Yeah. And and it it actually sets me back quite quite a lot even though I you know one of the titles I remember it was published when I was just about to start writing something a few years ago and and another book with the same title came out and I thought oh oh I can't do this now and it took a while to get around to doing it so I um, I think that happens
1: to the best of us or you see an idea that's similar to what you were writing or you were working on and then you're like eesh, uh, should I continue this or should I shelf it? You know, it's always it's always that kind of the way. Yeah. Uh, and actually, funny story on, on that is I wrote a book and I had no idea there was an idea similar to mine.
2: Oh, painful.
1: And uh, I sent the book and they said, we love it, but we already got a book with a similar. Oh, no. Idea. We can't take it. And I was just... I was crushed. I really, really was. And uh, I had no idea. I hadn't even heard of the book being released or published or anything. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, I think as authors, we, we all kind of go through that. And I think yeah. that sometimes the upside to agents is that they're a little bit more clued in than we are and can sometimes guide us away from those pitfalls.
2: Sometimes, but sometimes people are very, very quiet about what they're working on. You know, I've, I've been a writer for a long time. And so I have a lot of writer friends and it's sort of, oh, what are you working on? A book. <laughs> and there's, there's not a lot of sharing going on there. So I actually, you know, I, I have a website where I've been writing book reviews lately because there's so much of a decline, certainly in Canada, um, of book reviewing. So it's something I've started doing more of and one of the things I'm going to do soon is that a friend of mine a writer published a novel about 20 years ago called Semi-detached and lo and behold um one was published last fall called Semi-detached by another friend of mine who and these were two different friend groups right they didn't know one another they and in fact the publishers and agents didn't care if another book had come out 20 years before with the same title it was one of my other friends first books so i'm actually going to write a review of two books with the same title both of which are set in toronto and see what happens to two books about the same place and with you know something in common after a 20-year gap, I think that should be fun.
1: That should definitely be fun. And it's funny you say that about reviewing because I've noticed, especially in the sort of the UK, that's also happening. Like, there's, is there's such a decline in reviews. I mean, a lot of what you see now is like booktubers who are people that record their book reviews and post them on Twitter or post them on YouTube or mm. TikTok and things like that um but i i miss goodreads i miss going on goodreads and seeing what's been the most reviewed or what's the most talked about or you know or having a group of fans come and tell me you gotta read this or or this um yeah you know that that's the upside and i think goodreads was a really good way of 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 doing that and promoting and and not just for your own stuff but sharing really good material with, with other people that you think will will appreciate it and enjoy it and get something out of it
2: yeah it's a changing landscape i have a, a a friend who is a long-time publicist she's uh she's very very savvy she's worked for the big houses you know penguin random house and harper's various places and she says A lot of people she knows are edging out of book publicity at the moment because it's such chaos and they don't know how to promote books. And thank you for inviting me on your podcast, by the way. But um, she says she's going to stick around just because it's so weird. She wants to see what happens because eventually, presumably, things will settle down somehow. But I don't know how. And she who's much more experienced than I am, she doesn't know how yeah it's a weird I mean, I
1: time think, i think what we're going to see is sort of book promotions start taking more into a social media aspect yeah um because you're starting to see a, a wave of book podcasts arriving yes and it's not just about promoting audiobooks or having little episodic podcasts that come from a book it's actually more about talking about books and talking about fun of having books and and having these discussions and things like that um and it's actually a segment that i'm hoping to start in the new sort of the summer is having friends on to talk about books that they've read yes everyday people with everyday jobs who have maybe read a book and they want to discuss it and we you know maybe i've read it too and we we talk about it and we do that kind of thing and i think that might be a step forward in the promotion of books and in the publicity side of things, but so I also well, think it needs to get to stores as well.
2: And you know, I mean, and then you count on on friends. So my sister in law just uh, just emailed me today because she she was copying something. One of her neighbors had seen my book in um, my sister, my brother, and sister in law's house, and she said, "Oh, what's that?" And she went out and got it, and she loved it. Um, so it's just that sort of hand, you know, word of mouth that's that's doing things. So this woman whom I've never met, I got a nice email from her via my sister in law, and she's going to tell I said, tell other people for heaven's sakes, if you like it, because that seems to the way be the way it works at the moment and podcasts. And, you know, I I've had a website forever, and I'm going to do a newsletter fairly soon. I'm just gearing up to get that out there because my um, my website is actually quite popular. So I'll try and expand it a bit and shove some stuff out there too.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, that's the things that I've kind of learned. Um, I've been doing this probably 10 years, well, 14 years. Yeah. And I've seen it change. Like one time we would all be using Twitter. Next time we were all, you know, having Facebook review groups and we were in book clubs and we were doing, you know, uh, blog hops and yeah, all this other stuff and that you know people don't read blogs anymore they want to yeah. see things on Instagram they want to see things on TikTok because it's instant gratification and that's and sadly where we are nowadays people tend to get distracted by their phones more than they're picking up a book or you know reading a magazine in the doctor's office it's, it's a completely different change to how things are being done
2: and, and it, it is. And it's interesting because a friend of mine teaches in a, a master's program and they were just doing the units with um, basically on uh, how to market the, the manuscripts that the students have been producing. And so they had in uh, on, you know, social media, on Zoom and everything, a lot of uh, guests from the publishing industry mm-hmm. who were saying the one thing that they see lately um that's making it difficult as well is that how quickly things do, the cycle is very, very fast now, how things surface and then fall away. So book talk is the current big thing, but they're already seeing numbers dropping off there. So everything cycles through much more quickly. I mean, it's to do a lot with, with, um, you know, our attention spans because as you say, we're, we're on the phone in the doctor's office instead of reading the old copy of national geographic i don't know if that's the case there (laughs) that used to be what it's Hmm? you know i
1: i go to the hospital frequently for my arthritis and i'm the only one sitting in there with a book most of the time everybody else is on their phones or yeah you know things like that and and it was funny because my doctors you know he, he's getting on in age and and he said i'm one of the few patients that he ever sees walking in the door with a book in her hand you know or yeah. or something along those lines and and he's always curious to see what i'm reading he doesn't like anything i read but he's always curious just to see what it is and i i think that's that's really telling of of where we've come to that you know even he expects all his patients to come in with the phone super glued to their hand and and be Googling their symptoms and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it's, it's that we're at that point where, you know, we're going through the phase of technology and, and I'm sure that it'll wrap round again and, and books will, will come back up and be something that everybody talks about, especially with the rise of, of audiobooks and things like that that people can listen to in the car because I've noticed a lot of people don't listen to radio anymore, that that's the thing now too. So um, yeah. And I think, Embracing things like using TikTok and learning how to maybe post snippets of books and things like that of your books or of books you're reading to people out there is another good way of of just keeping sort of the the book kind of thing in front of everybody and and getting that that momentum.
2: It's interesting. I was just you know Toronto has a subway system. I live. I'm from Vancouver on the west coast of Canada, but I live in Toronto uh we have a subway system and i was just there the other day making a longish trip and the first thing i saw was a young woman early 20s reading uh, standing, waiting for the, the car, reading a book called, from the the fifties or forties called "How to Win Friends and Influence People," Norman Vincent Peale, which is just out apparently in a reissue. And speaking of National Geographic, I got on the subway and there was a young man, like young guy, looked studenty looking. Uh, reading a National Geographic, and I thought, oh, this is very odd, because those are books that would have been things that would have been old when I was a kid, yeah. but they're they're surfacing. And I, you know, I, lo- I always look around the subway and buses and streetcars here and see what people are reading. And it's kind of interesting, because a lot of them aren't current, but because, um, you know, you can pick up older books in libraries. And I think part of it is economic, people can't Afford as many books as they used to. Yeah, um, because
1: books have become so expensive. As they well.
2: have. I've yeah. been having a very odd thing happen. My previous book is sort of a mashup sci-fi, historical novel, romance sort of thing called Times Squared with time travel in it. And you know, it did fine when it came out, but it's first of all, it was pirated by a sci-fi website, and second of all. Not yeah, happened. Yeah, and second of all it's been picked up by the libby um, library thing and it's getting both the audiobook and the ebook are are getting thousands of downloads for a when did it come out 2021 um, they're piling on and you know on goodreads uh, speaking of goodreads there there are a couple of thousand reviews um, uh, ratings and reviews for a book that you know, I published three going on three years ago. Um, And it's, um, so it's kind of odd. In that case, it's very odd, because most of these have been in the US and, and a lot of the people don't like it. Um, It's not what they were expecting. So but other people really like it. Um, It started to show up in, in uh, British and I presume Scottish libraries. And, for some reason in Pakistani libraries, it's, it's had a little, so these things go on, they, they develop lives of their own and they're quite unpredictable. I mean, a lot of people do like the book, but it's, um, it's interesting. There are trolls that you start getting when, um, when they do show up on online sites. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've I've been there. I, I had the similar thing. I had a, a YA come out. And it had over fifty thousand downloads on a pirate site, mm. and only sold ten copies. And I yeah. was like, "What?" And the same thing, like I had trolls that attacked it the second that it was on Goodreads. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it, I thought, "Wow, this is this is insane." Um, and I actually make a point in not looking at reviews for my own books on Goodreads because I know there's a good chance that there's a bunch of trolls out there that's mm. going to just squash it um and I think that's another thing a lot of authors are, are so scared to interact now with with some readers because we never know you know what's going to happen or, or what it turns into yeah I, th- I think that's all things that we kind of have to consider moving forward as well so can you is- tell us about your journey from a writer to an author what was what was that like for you to make that adjustment
2: I don't know what you're, uh, you use those terms differently than me, because writer and author to me are, are interchangeable terms. So do you mean from somebody who was writing to someone who was publishing? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, uh, well, I, I was a person who wanted to write all my life. Uh, you know, I was an obnoxious little child who said, I'm going to be a writer when I grow up, um, to the point where my parents got me a toy typewriter when I was about seven. Um. So the I'd always written I started my first truly dreadful novel when I was 17 and in university and um finished it when I was 22 and not surprisingly it was widely rejected. Um yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, all the characters had deeply symbolic names. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, so what happened though was that a very very wonderful editor here in in Canada called me into her office and said look I think you have you have some you have some talent here but it's very undisciplined you know I had been in a creative writing program at the University of British Columbia but I dropped out I really hadn't liked it I hadn't hadn't liked reading such bad writing in my my own bad writing primarily but um So she said, what you've got to do is you've got to learn how to write a short story. Uh, Learn the discipline. Uh, You would have been taught that in school, but read short stories. And of course, in Canada, we have a brilliant short story writer in Alice Munro. She said, and Margaret Atwood as well, read every word they've written, read other writers, um, and then just write. And that is probably what tipped me from being a wannabe into getting published, because Although I can't say the first stories I wrote were publishable, I did start writing writing short stories that got published in small and then bigger magazines, and then I had a uh, you know a short story book out, and and then I got my first novel, and on from there. So um, yeah, so it it I the editor's name I must credit was named Anna Porter. She worked at um, a publishing house called uh, mcclelland and Stewart she's now herself um a writer she writes mysteries so she's oh, had a right. very interesting career yeah she's she's quite wonderful actually
1: you you always find that that sometimes the editor becomes the writer and the writer becomes the editor it's kind of like a very weird dance that we all do and and i think that's incredible So what can your readers be looking forward to kind of in the coming years? Is there anything exciting that they can be excited about coming out?
2: Coming out? Not yet. I am working on another novel um, set here in Toronto about um, a young woman, I guess I can say this much, who grows obsessed with Chekhov. And um, so I'm actually, I've just been doing some fun things and going, because we've just talked about Canada being a very multicultural country, going to the Russian parts of uh, Toronto, which is very fraught at the moment, because there is a war going on. And that's part of it, of mm-hmm. course. There are also Ukrainian parts of Toronto. <laughs> um, um, yeah,
1: the hot beds, yep, we've got the same thing in Glasgow. You yeah, have.
2: Right. yep, Yeah. yeah. So um, it's it's kind of interesting to just, just go out there. I have a friend, a very good friend of mine, who worked in film for quite a few years. She's actually a yoga teacher now. But when she worked in film, she was a production designer, which meant she knows all the nooks and crannies of this city because she would be looking for specific locations where they could shoot a movie. and And so she can just, I'm saying, uh, Alicia, I want to find this. And she said, okay, well, we'll go here and have lunch there and do this and walk there and go to this incredibly bizarre spa over there. And uh, so we do a lot of fun things.
1: Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So you made it through the book and life podcast. Thank uh, you. It's, it's literally, that is the upside to this podcast is it is this short, chat between two writers or two authors and we just talk books and we talk about writing and we talk about the journeys and the different things that people can try to, to have that dream that we all dreamed of in, in walking into the store and seeing our names on the shelf and, and knowing that people are getting love and inspiration from our, from our work. So, I cannot thank you enough for coming on today. And I really hope that I get to have you back when your next one comes out. And we can talk a little bit more about that and and how how your explorations went. And if you found anywhere that was super cool that you want to share with us.
2: Oh, Um, yeah. I've already gone to a couple. I won't tell you now. But yes, um, a couple. My friend is just a resource of all sorts of very, very strange places. I can tell you that much.
1: Well, it will be an honor to have you back. Thank you again for coming on the show. Guys, let's be safe. And uh, please remember, give each other time, give each other space, and give each other, most importantly, love, especially in this day and age. And I will see you guys all again next Monday.